Hello, Black Swamp Podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode. Uh, it's number 36 with Maria Flurry. If you've been listening regularly, thank you. And hopefully you've enjoyed dropping in on these conversations. If you're new to our series, also thank you for joining us. And feel free to travel back in time through our episodes with various Black Swamp artists, educators, and even some conversations with ourselves, which isn't as weird as it sounds. If you haven't already, feel free to subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts. Then throw us some stars. The more the better, as this helps spread the word about our little podcast to more percussion enthusiasts like yourself. No real super special housekeeping for today, uh, but I guess I'll throw a shout out to some new video content we've been recording and releasing in-house. This includes the start of a new deep dive video series where we look at some of our more popular instrument models and what makes them special. We've released a couple tambourine deep dives. Uh, We have a multi-bass video in the works uh, with some additional plans for snare drum and accessory resources. So uh, we'll throw a few links to existing videos in the show notes. Uh, So besides being one of the coolest people I know, uh, Maria Fleury has been a longtime friend and supporter of Black Swan Percussion. Uh, She knew Eric in the early years of BSP, uh, used to work with us uh, at PAS conventions, and has always been one of our biggest cheerleaders. Uh, Besides being connected to the performance world in Michigan, Arizona, and uh, everywhere in between, I guess, over the years, Maria has spent time, energy, and resources developing nonprofit arts organizations, various outreach programs, and uh, more recently helping to launch the Arizona Philharmonic. Uh, basically, she's got her hands in a lot of different musical events, organizations, and performance opportunities, as well as a wealth of experience and knowledge, which I try to tap into during our conversation. Also recently, um, Maria is partnering with Homero Saron and Fred Morgan uh, to present a percussion trio performance in June through the Arizona Philharmonic. Uh, more details in this episode's show notes as well. So here's my conversation with Maria. You you knew this was recorded, right, Maria? I figured that out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, well, are you ready to have a conversation or did you, you you got some other catching up to do? You got some other things going on? You need, need to get off your chest to, with me or we can, <laughs> we can dive in? <laughs> I think we should dive in. Oh, okay, cool. Well, welcome, Maria. Uh, to the Black Swamp podcast. Um, I appreciate you uh, carving some time out of your schedule. I know, uh, which will get to th- uh, lots of things. I know you're super busy, so thanks. Um, it's all right. I, yeah. I, this is usually my practice time, so nobody should be messing with us. Right. Wait, you sent an email. You practice at night. So you practice in the morning and at night? At night is when I actually do, like, I dig in. I I have that conversation with myself that you really can't play this section and then I go into it. Morning is more for technique. Oh, okay. So you still practice technique. Oh God. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably do that, but I don't, I don't play. So it doesn't really matter. I could, there's other technique I need to practice, probably some parenting techniques, some spousal techniques, things like that. (laughs) I should practice that in the morning. That's what I need to do. Okay, so back to reality. You are in Arizona right now. 
but you're not from Arizona, are you? You're are you from Michigan? I'm sort of from Arizona. I grew okay. up in all different places, mostly I, in New Mexico. I love I love starting these conversations with just a complete falsehood and lie. So yeah, you're from you're sort of from Arizona. Well, two truths and a lie. We can yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh really? No, 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 not the game. The where you're from. <laughs> I'm always ready to play a game. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, so we moved around the country a lot when I was little. Mostly grew up in New Mexico and Arizona, and uh, went east to school and went to do my master's in Michigan. Okay. And was there for fifteen, I don't know, eighteen years, something. Yeah. Now I've been here. Um, and I I only bring up Michigan only because that's where we're located, and I know you have a long sordid history with with Eric and Black Saw Percussion. So I guess to start with, I kind of wanted to to dive into that, like what, what your history is with the Gumby. Um, you've been a Black Swamp artist for many years, but we knew you several years before that. So can you tell me how you met Eric and how you kind of, you two forged a friendship and a percussive <laughs> bond? <laughs> okay, so um, Cros Croswell Opera House, Adrian, Michigan. Adrian Symphony. Okay. It's, you would be surprised how many have gone, people have played in the Croswell and then gone on to do all sorts of things. Um, I just learned the other day that second flute in the Arizona Philharmonic, she played in the Croswell in high school. So, okay. Yeah. So we're having an Adrian Symphony rehearsal and um, Maestro Katz is doing his stuff. And uh, so we get on stage while the rest of the percussionists and there's this very enthusiastic, um, very bright, very energetic uh, guy about my age. Yeah. And- uh, It wasn't me. Uh, no, because <laughs> I'm older than you. <laughs> no, oh, I wasn't gonna mention that, but yes. <laughs> no, so but far. you came out to see later, that was okay. cool. Um, good addition. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was Eric and I still can't pronounce his last name. Sorry, and like the bean. <laughs> You could say it however you want. It's officially soy. Okay, good. Um, we'll go into Spanish and mess around with him on that one. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, so um, so we played, and he was a super clean player, and a uh, uh, lot of fun. And I think we did uh, several gigs together. And then second or third gig, he comes and says, "Hey, I've got this like I made this tambourine." And I'm like, "Who the heck makes a tambourine? Yeah. Like, don't just like come down from heaven fully made." <laughs> I still wonder who makes tambourines here, but it's Kyle, by the way. So go ahead. <laughs> Eric, Eric does not make tambourines anymore. He's long past that, but no, he, des he, he deserves not to make tambourines anymore. So, so Eric had one of his very first tambourines that he showed you. What, you mean you don't let him near that machine anymore? <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, just sort of stamps. Uh, it's the tambourine um, omatic. It just like makes tambourines. <laughs> it's sort of like a Looney Tunes cartoon where it just like pumps out tambourines. Chunk. Right. Acne. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, made this tambourine. Okay. So like might've been his first prototype. I don't know. And I played it and I thought, holy cow. I mean, I actually sounded good on it. So, mm -hmm. um, that was, that was the beginning. And then he was talking about these other ideas for other instruments. And, you know, a couple years later, I was thinking to myself, does Eric sleep? <laughs> or does he just like sit there going, so I asked him once and he said, yeah, I, you know, I just, I just think all night long. <laughs> yeah. 
that I though no, I think he was not. He was telling the truth. I think he um, has told me several times that like in the yeah up it, nighttime is when he thinks of his ideas or like kind of processes things and like figures out like solves problems or yeah. or while driving. And that's why I always hated driving to to shows with him because it, we would just sit in silence and then all of a sudden he would start talking about something like, you know, a project or something. And then it's like kind of out of nowhere. And then I have to like try to struggle to keep up and understand what he's talking about. And then we sit in silence more. And I mean, there's all their social things, but yes, I think you're right. He he's, we mentioned that before, like uh, uh, nighttime kind of laying awake, staring at the ceiling, thinking through stuff. So, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Keep going. Um, well, and, and, and then, uh, so we lived in different cities and stuff. So sometimes it was quite some time between when I heard new instruments and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, Were you up in Flint then? I was in Ann Arbor. Okay. And then uh, I moved over. I finished my master's and moved over to Ypsilanti. Okay. And, um, and then I had the, when I was in school on the East Coast, um, there, was, there was a lot of gigging going on and that was very cool. And I thought, well, I'm going to go do my master's in Michigan. There aren't many gigs there, and I'll actually focus. <laughs> I mean, Route 23, it was the Route 23 orchestra from Saginaw oh, sure. all the way down to Adrian to Toledo. And yeah. um, it, was, it was great. Um, I really got sidetracked. But no. anyway, that was such great education. I mean, I didn't have a full-time job, but I was running through all the rep um, and learning it all, you know, for um, intimately right. through those jobs. But... Oh yeah, so um, so different instruments keep start coming up, and um, and and then he actually looks like he has a business plan, which is like that's number two, right? Yeah, sure. Yep. And then the things I've learned over the years is that you need you need the innovator, you need the business partner, and then you need the accountant. All right. We have but none of those. We have the innovator. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, well, you definitely have an accountant. Uh, no. Yeah, okay. No, 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 we have Oz. That's you behind the scenes. Uh, I who? What? You're, you're Oz. Like you pull back the curtain. Oh, here. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Eric's definitely the the innovator. He's still the driving kind of force, like product wise, behind what we're doing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I joined him early on, obviously, kind of from the ground up, which is exciting. I do these um, uh, regular. Um, Zoom right now they're Zoom, but I used to do like school tours, university tours, like travel, go to Chicago area or St. Louis area or uh, Kentucky, and kind of do school tours and talk about Black Swamp history and stuff. So now I'm kind of doing it through Zoom, and I'll uh, talk about product and talk about history and stuff, and that's that's all kind of part of it, like where he started. And it's funny you mentioned the kind of route US 23 circuit because I know, I mean. The, why I asked you if you lived in Flint, which obviously you didn't, but you played in Flint, like principal timpanist. And I know Eric played up there and played in Ann Arbor and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's all kind of part of our story and our history, like him getting, getting started, showing people like you, you know, instruments and getting some, some feedback and um, suggestion probably stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah. And his, his way of taking feedback is what do you think? And then he yeah. just like sits back and listens. Yeah. I'm like, well, I did this and I did this. Isn't it cool? No, no, no. He sits back and he makes it in. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. So, um, any any tea you want to spill? Any dirt on Eric that we should know? I mean, I know quite a bit about him. I guess there's nothing that would surprise me. 
I think we should leave that to you. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll devote an entire episode to uh, d- d- spilling the tea on Eric. No, right. Um, so how long were you in? So you you went you ended up in Michigan to go to school, and then when did you kind of leave Michigan? When did you get tired of the winters and the and the snow? Okay, I have like serious seasonal effect, whatever that is. Yeah. Like it clouds up, and I'm I'm. Yeah. Deflated. So, um, uh, so nine eleven happened, and and there are no flights in or out. And we live near um, Willow Run, uh, the the airport over there, and there were always flights over. Um, and then to have no flights over, the sky was completely blue, and my family was thousands of miles away. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, we have we have kids now, and uh, I think. I think it's time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we, uh, scouted out some places in the Southwest. My dad came down from Washington and was just checking out Prescott and he bought a house, went back to pack. And that was actually when I came out for other reasons, <laughs> stayed in this empty house <laughs> with the kids and my brother yeah. <laughs> and said, Holy cow, this is, this is beautiful. It's like, um, Santa Fe where I spent um, part of my childhood, but it's small. It's a smaller town and four seasons. Um, uh, 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 a really good like community orchestra okay. and a chamber, small chamber orchestra, but you know it was kind of tied up. So I was like, mm, "Am I gonna give up orchestral music forever?" Um, so I had to have that talk with myself. And I said, "Well, you know, I can I can do the other things that are also super interesting to me, like world music and um, uh, recitals with my husband, and um, uh, love doing the kids' concerts in the schools and stuff." Sure. Is that when you developed sticks and tones, tones and uh, sticks, n- t- knowns and st- <laughs> stones and mix? What is it? Sticks and tones. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. um, yeah. Actually, when um, if we go back to school, it's happened a couple times because I usually go in first. Um, Henry's like going around the back and backing up to whatever loading zone, and I usually go in first. And um, if we go back to a school, it, it's so funny because. They're like maybe a line of kids ready for the cafeteria, and they're like, "It sticks! It sticks!" Wait, where's Tom? <laughs> so I get it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you are the percussionist, so you're sticks, and then your husband is plays piano. Yep, and piano keys, and guitar. and guitar. So he's the tone. Yeah, I, I think I got that early on, but it just there was a new revelation there. Sticks and tones. Now I get it. Uh, so is that all original? stuff like you guys kind of write compose your own music uh we do compose our own music we um i was uh in a duo with donna novak back in michigan and mm. she wrote some really cool stuff so we, we sing a couple of her songs uh we do some world music songs we write our own stuff um it's it's really cool because the creativity is it's up to us mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah um well i'll I'll kind of jump into like one of the big topics that I did want to talk to you about because um, you've started quite a bit in Arizona. Like you've, you've, you've started like an arts kind of uh, collective or foundation, maybe Chaparral, Chaparral. And then obviously uh, uh, the Arizona Philharmonic, and then you're operating six and tones. Like there's a serious amount of entrepreneurship in in what you're doing and i you know and then outside of playing and gigging and obviously practicing and stuff so i guess i wanted to unpack a little bit of that like 
how do you go from, I mean, you kind of mentioned, you know, deciding if you wanted to be an or still be an orchestral percussionist or not, like, obviously you still are, but now you do, you run organizations and you run uh, ensembles and stuff like, I, I'm not sure where to exactly to start with that, but like, how does that start to take shape? Like what came first, I guess? Like, so obviously sticks and tones, you and your husband, Henry have been doing that for years. And then, then the arts council, was that kind of next? Um, well, uh, yeah. So um, the arts commission at that time had a, a jury roster of artists, which was very cool. You'd show up, you'd do this audition, and then um, they would put you on the roster. They listed you on the website. So, you know, everybody had access to your information and contact info. Um, so that was cool. And, and we met some um, really nice people. You know, you know, waiting around for an audition, you meet people, right? And, yeah, sure. Um, no, so, I don't. I've never taken an audition. I can I say, yeah, sure. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I meet people at the mall. That's what I do <laughs> at I do the too. gas, at the gas station. I just kind of go and meet people. I've never <laughs> taken an audition in my life, Maria, but that's okay. Go ahead. Okay, well, I can it. imagine how it is. That's why you seem so unscarred. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, I've got plenty of scars. I've worked for Black Swan Percussion for 20 years. I got, I got plenty of baggage. <laughs> yes, no doubt. <laughs> Just hashtag PA, PASIC. Right. Um, um, so, you know, actually, I do want to quickly side sidetrack to, yes, um, please. to uh, auditions. So I was on the audition trail, and I call myself kind of the, the um, regional audition rat because... I did well in regional auditions, but not so well in national auditions. Okay. And um, they're expensive. And, um, uh, and you know, 200 people show up to an audition and 199 of them are qualified for the job. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of luck. There's, you know, whether the taste of the committee is the same as yours, um, whether you have a complete meltdown and feel like a plane flying that lost a wing and went... <laughs> You know, spiraling down after Porgy. Um, right. <laughs> sorry. Um, and I really, I decided I really wanted to do timpani. I wasn't, I, I between you and me. And, the, and our podcast listeners. And our podcast listeners. Um, right. The sound of the snare drum is really annoying to me. Mm. And you're a um, percussionist. Okay. And I'm a percussionist, right? Yeah. And so um, practicing snare drum excerpts, it just, it did not bring me any joy. But timpani excerpts i mean you study the score you get way deep in it you've got rhythm you've got harmony you've got um you know so um yes i'm gonna if i'm gonna play a snare it's gonna be a good one like black swamp oh, right yes but, thank you um shout out to black swamp percussion thank you <laughs> yes right that's right i put a little plug in there yeah. um uh fortunately you make timpani mallets so it's still good um and it just the the cost benefit ratio just did did not work. And you know, and I've been a freelance musician for a long time. You are a small business person, mm -hmm. and I had kids, and so then you also have the cost benefit ratio of how you spend your time. And um, then at timpani auditions, there are even fewer. You have like it doesn't make sense to go and play someone else's instrument when other people are bringing in their own instruments. You know the disadvantage that puts you. And then also, um, frankly, you know I still needed coaching. So that's another expense. Um, mm. And I was already playing in all the orchestras. I mean, I already had essentially a job. Yeah. And, um, and also, also, I didn't know anybody who looked like me who played timpani. And uh, I just, I, I would watch Mr. Rabio in Detroit and I'd think, how on earth does he stand back there and do that? Well, <laughs> I mean, since then I've played with some big orchestras and 
done that, but I yeah. was called freelance. So it's not, and I wasn't sure I could take the pressure to be honest. Sure. So um, I stepped off the audition trail, took all of those skills, uh, all the teaching I'd had, all the colleagues that I still had, um, all the techniques, and then applied them to all sorts of other things while I was still playing in orchestras. Um, so then fast forward, we come out to Michigan. Um, I sent my, my um, I, I played with Flint for a couple extra years after that. I sent, the day I sent, the day I took my resignation letter to the mailbox for Flint, I was like, oh, I just, I just can't do the, tr the trip anymore. Mm -hmm. Came back in and Henry has that funky, he, he's had that funny look on his face about 15 times in the past 30 years, like really good news. And he says, guess what? Phoenix Symphony called, you're playing sick of timpani on Holst. On a oh, yeah. And I was like, oh. So symphony playing is still in my life. Um, yeah. The roster of artists was really cool. And then, um, but I missed my friends. I missed my old friends, my, my, you know, brass and percussion friends. And so we started out with the idea of creating a, uh, a music festival for brass and percussion. Um, unfortunately, the price tag on that was too high. So um, in, in creating a music festival, you quickly realize that you need money. <laughs> and um, there, are, <clears throat> there are essentially, um, there are four sources of money. One is donations, another one is tickets, another one is grants. The other one, other one is sponsorships slash advertising. Um, and so the grants were that they made about 25% of our budget and that was necessary to start a nonprofit. Um, we had in a, uh, what's called a fiscal agent um, in the um, Children's Ballet of Phoenix. Oh my gosh, now I gotta we'll find out because I owe them a lot. Um, <laughs> you owe them a lot of money right now? <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, no, you don't know them a lot of them. You don't know them a lot Hey, dudes, actually, um, <laughs> we actually ran this festival. We didn't, after the first year, we never ran the festival until we already had the money in the bank. Yeah, cool. Because I had to sleep. And so we ended up in the black all the way through 2008 and nine. Um, so I highly recommend sleep and um, right. having the money ahead of time. Yeah. Anyway, so this was, uh, so we established the nonprofit called Chaparola Arts. I had to learn like what the heck a board did and how to find one and all these other things. I love learning and I have professional ADD. And so you just draw in, you, you, you get mentors, you get, um, you, you get uh, people who, people who follow through, people who know Excel, people who are, right. know how to do websites. Um, and you just generally have a really good time. Um, in fact, uh, there's still some people today who were there with us at the very beginning, you know, uh, we're at 17, 18 years ago. Yeah, cool. And, yeah, and um, uh, so then that developed into the Chaparral Music Fest, Chaparral, three A's, two R's. <laughs> just Google it. Just Google That's it. what I do. I, I was making some notes and I just like was like C-H-A dot 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 I'm like, i'll google it later that's fine <laughs> all right right yeah i mean so so katie shields was involved in it um i think from year two and uh she has created a chamber music workshop from that that is still going it's she has uh two incredible she has uh two incredible colleagues um i at that point in my life i, I kind of played with everybody i wanted to play to with and thought oh, it would be cool to be call like called for a summer festival this time but i'm running a summer festival and that's how i get called for it huh mm -hmm. oh well um eventually hot springs called me which is really cool um arkansas um shout out to them um 
they have gone fully online this year. So check out Hot Springs Music Festival. Matt McClung is the percussion teacher there. Yeah, sure. Um, I have resigned from there because they don't need two percussionists anymore. Anyway, back to Arizona. Um, it was very cool that uh, about, I think it's five years, uh, my husband Henry and I stepped out of Chaparral Arts uh, completely out of the Chaparral Music Fest. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, and so it was like, oh, um, I can tell you about all the things that the Music Fest did, but um, it was very odd to step out of it. And then what happened is that two of the programs kept going. And that was huge. I mean, to to just step away and watch the baby, right? Yeah. So, um, so then later on, Katie calls me to be faculty. So now I'm faculty there and I don't have to be organizing. Um, it's, it's so much fun. Um, it's for semi-professionals. It's also, there's a youth component. Yeah. And there's also the Suzuki Academy, which is now on hiatus because of um, COVID. But um, the, um, so then we have this nonprofit. That's great. We, we decide, okay, well, we're going to, we take care of all the finances. We are the fiscal agent for these other things. We'll kind of tamp it down a little bit. We're good. You know, I had teenagers and mm -hmm. said, so um, uh, <laughs> then um, Henry is also a composer and he feels like, you know, it's, it's time to, um, to get, I'd like to have a performance of the like a retrospective of my orchestral works. That's his favorite stuff to do. Sure. And, um, so we're transitioning now so to, we're transitioning. Uh, to something bigger and better as well. I feel yeah. this coming. Go ahead. I feel this coming. It's like, mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and and um, the, the, my dad was a Quaker and the Quakers have this thing like, if you're, you know, there's a silent meeting, right? Yeah. And you should not speak up unless the pure spirit like moves you. Yeah. And um, I was like, we don't start something new unless we absolutely feel that we can't not do it. Okay, so uh, he, he won a very prestigious award and grant from Arizona and um, use that seed money is like, well, you know, let's do an orchestra concert. At the same time, you know what? There's a need for professional orchestra in this area um, and pay for orchestra musicians in this area is not, it's not anywhere near union scale. Let me just put it that way. I mean, sure. yeah, yes, um, that is changing. And so we held auditions. Uh, we got the team together. We pulled other people back in. Um, and then uh, had the first season, it was a business plan where um, we did two concerts in the shoulder season, like uh, August and May. So okay. we were conflicting with any of the other organizations in the area. Um, and Basically giving performers in the area another opportunity to play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. Making the sandbox bigger and doing more than paying for gas. Uh -huh. um, and the uh, the mid season, the other orchestras uh, in the area, we had a whole big meeting with them and said, you know, we're doing this. Would you be interested in having an orchestra for hire? Because we were planning that we were expecting everybody in this area to just be in the same orchestra and then be hired at a higher level. The um, the organization wouldn't have to do all of that personnel stuff because it was the directors, the artistic people, mm -hmm. doing that. So it freed them up. That worked out great for the first season. And then um, the second season, there's some politics in the area that kind of messed up that business plan. So we put on the season again and then COVID hit. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. But we're we're back. Check out Arizona Phil. No, azphil.org. And we're, yeah. we're back, which is... Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of 
mind-boggling to me to sort of like decide, hey, we're going to start a Philharmonic like from scratch, from the ground up. I mean, obviously you've been in the industry long enough. Like, you know how I'm sure some of behind the scenes work, you know how personnel works. But I mean, even when you were starting, like co-founding the Chaparral, like, I mean, you initially started talking about advertising and grants and budgets. You used the word we call it cost benefit analysis, but you even, you said, you know, basically cost benefit when you were transitioning to, to Arizona, like with your practice schedule, like, I don't know, how did, was it, I mean, it sounds overwhelming to me, but was it, I mean, how do you kind of, how did you juggle that? I don't know. I don't really have much of a question in there. Yeah. I even just saw you go, what, what kind of question is that? No, like, uh, I don't know. I'm concentrating. <laughs> concentrating. Like, okay, so I don't know. Was there things basically like, what did you kind of pull on, I guess, to, to start to figure that stuff out? Or like you mentioned, you love learning. So it was just intuitive for you. Like, I don't know. How did you begin to work through a lot of it? Okay. First of all, I'm a genius. Second of all, we made some. Okay. Genius. I forgot to mention at the beginning where he is a genius, certified genius. Okay. <laughs> right. You're smarter than everyone you know. I. <laughs> you know lots of things. I know nothing. And that, right. that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, ignorance is a fabulous innovator. Okay. Um, you know, um, I've just always chosen the hard way. I mean, I am not a natural percussionist. Everything that I can do is, has been earned the hard way. Like, you know, people, I listen to people at Michigan and in, in, in the undergrad that through the walls and you're like, you just got this music and you're able to play it. And I'm yeah. like, anyway, so it's the same thing with this. Um, but essentially what you start, you have to start from your values. You have to start from your core and you have to trust literally your gut sense if something does not literally feel right in your body yeah. then you need to question it um uh you probably know about that yeah yeah it's no yeah. i agree so my wife tells me you know go with your gut all the time like um and i mean we try not to make gut decisions like i mean again i mentioned cost benefit analysis at the beginning of our conversation you were like you need an innovator and you need a someone else. I forgot who that was. And then an accountant. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's, I guess it's be a business partner. And then who's also Jamel now. Um, so we have three, uh, we got three business partners here and, and then you need an accountant and we have an accountant now for the last 10 plus years. And she's like cost benefit analysis, like straight up, like, so figuring out like, you know, literally how much is it going to cost to make this? How many are we going to sell? Is it worth it? So in that sense, we try not to go with our gut, but a lot of decisions early on have been made with our gut or yeah, we're percussionists. We don't place as much as we used to, but we kind of know the industry. We know uh, what percussionists are looking for. So in that sense, we can kind of follow our instinct and our gut, but I know what you're saying. Like if something doesn't feel right, if something just feels weird or off yeah like that's a pretty big clue too yeah 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 so you start with that you start with your values don't i, I don't know if i can use, don't screw anybody <laughs> right yeah. yeah and you know and we have messed up i will tell you that and so then you have to go with learn how to apologize mm. and learn how to learn how to learn from your mistakes and yeah. like i um 
uh, humility, ambition, those kinds of things when you're in the early part of your career can make you blind and deaf Hmm. and uh, not lack of humility. And um, I, I mean, like I say, I've always known that I'm not, you know, like I'm just not a gifted percussionist. Um, But I worked for everything really hard. And so I was proud of that work. And, but that sometimes that made me, a little deaf to things and um maybe i probably a little insensitive or whatever because i was just you learn that other people have their own stuff going on after a while um and then um you learn that just let go let them do their stuff make some space listen watch um and then then somehow a team starts to form Hmm. um because you're not a jerk and yeah so, um, so that whole, so you, so you start humor, you just, you just play, you, um, you communicate people, let people with people, people let, let them know what's going on. Mm. Um, and you know, sometimes you don't know what's going on. And that was another thing is you have to know when you don't know what's going on. If you thought you did and you have people involved yeah. and, um, we've made some mistakes with that, that I really I don't know how to emphasize that enough is that you've got the vision we've got we have the organizational path we have the financial path we have the personnel and then something comes up and you realize i did not figure that into the thing and then and then all of a sudden you have people who are like what's going on yeah it's tough yeah sure no we um i don't know if this totally ties in but we some i've mentioned it before on the on when talking to people, especially about entrepreneurship, which is kind of a topic that's come up in several of our podcasts. So and that's, you know, why I wanted to get your perspective, but we, we kind of call it, you have the right people on the right bus at the same time. Like, and I think that's like kind of what you were saying at the beginning, like you, you have to admit what you, you don't know what you don't know. And you have to find people that kind of do know that, or you have to know your limitations and what other people do better. I mean, I fully admit I have it. I, my ego would get in the way sometimes because especially when we, we start, you know, to hire some new people like, um, you know, Nathan specifically here who does all our social media and does like branding stuff and works with me on marketing efforts. Like I did all that like by myself for so long, like with, you know, obviously, um, input from Eric and Jamel, who's like always been really helpful in like bouncing off ideas and stuff from him. But like to be able to like start to hand some of that over, it's just like, like it did like see him do an awesome job. It's like, well, I used to do that too, you know, like, and my, my, my wife calls it getting under somebody's pinata. Like she, she used to work for an organization, like a small business too. And she's like, sometimes you just got to get under people's pinatas and like, you know, and, and enjoy like all that, you know, all that candy raining down, all that good stuff, you know, like they cracked open that pinata and you just got to get under there with them and enjoy it all. So, um, uh, so I guess I was connecting with like some of a couple of times you kind of mentioning like, so almost like surrounding yourself with, with people. And like you mentioned finding early on finding mentors, like I do, you don't have to name anyone specifically, but like, can you talk a little bit about mentorship, like either you being mentored or mentoring maybe somebody else, like um, yeah. how that kind of factored into some of your decision making? Yeah, and the, the, that's um, a really good point. <laughs> start close, start with your friends, 
Mm. Don't rely on your close friends too much. I mean, I, I always tried not to rely on them too much because I don't want to then jeopardize the core of the friendship. If yeah, sure. Something happens, but um, start with friends. Start with people who who just you click with. But go back. Start with your family. Um, uh, Henry's family and my family. There are four kids in both families. Um, the, the first time I had breakfast with them and I listened to how loud the table was, I was like, oh, I know this. We can do this. Yeah. Cool. So it was good. So you know, they have like three hour long Thanksgiving dinners. So does mine. And like the whole world is open up to those. And so we very often discuss our ideas with them. Um, and, uh, you know, they all are from different fields. Um, and, you know, some of them know nothing about music, which is great because then you have a distilled concept you could take like cost benefit analysis you can take that mm -hmm. and hold it um and then um look at the people who are running the organizations you want to be like um maury oaken in um detroit chamberwins and brass and i think they've changed their name a little bit but um he sat down with us and he's he talked with us for i think two two hours or so and talk about a busy man mm -hmm. um and we we wrote down i still have those notes i'm like i literally wrote it on a napkin or, or coaster, something. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, mentors. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, uh, sometimes like, again, when I do do these presentations and talk about black swamp and, and how I develop, um, uh, with assistance, like develop dealer programs and artist programs and stuff like, or even just like marketing. I, I definitely talk to people in the industry. Like I'd look at Vic Firth, um, uh, look at Yamaha, even, you know, look at what Pearl is doing, uh, Meinl, like we have a good friend at Meinl, Mitch McMitchin, um, who's the president of USA Meinl, and just like kind of see what they're doing, yeah, and be like, okay, I want to, that's what I want to do, you know, I kind of want to, I want to be the Vic Firth of the orchestral percussion world, you know, like, yeah. and and kind of build that, that kind of marketing um, concept and presence and stuff, so um um uh, yeah i mean i guess i could have dug you know thinking back dug a little deeper like into some more official like mentorship roles like john whitman at yamaha i talked to him a lot do you know john he's okay he's well he used to live in grand rapids now he lives in uh indianapolis but he's worked for yamaha for years and um we would play gigs together and he's kind of an artist relations and marketing at Yamaha and stuff. So I was able to kind of have some more in-depth conversations with him and stuff, which was really cool. So, um, yeah. I mean, cool. can I dovetail on that? Um, yeah, I guess go ahead. <laughs> yes, please. Dovetail. Okay. Piggy, dovetail, piggyback, whatever you need to do, go for it. Baton. Okay. Um, yeah. So shout out to PASIC, right? Mm. go to PASIC, go to concerts that go to things that you don't do um, and go to things you do. I mean, basically don't sleep. Um, and right. Yeah, no, I love sleeping. Sorry. <laughs> I got to disagree with you on that one. Sleep's like my favorite thing. <laughs> well, I've learned how to sleep again. I, yes. I, I gave it up for a few years and that turned out not yeah. to be a good idea. So um, anyway, um, and everybody there is human, right? And um, most, the people who are the best musicians are actually almost, they're almost the most approachable, almost mm. 100%. Um, 
And the, and the way to do that is to say, you know, is to put yourself there, to listen, to feel if it's maybe, a, a, you know, a match. And then if you find yourself like, I really need to know some stuff from this person, then you don't go up to them and say, hi, I'm so-and-so and I've done this and that. You, you wait and see yeah. if, if the chance opens up um, because I've done the other. And that's, <laughs> you walk away going, what? I'm just a turkey. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you say, you know, hey, you ask permission, you know, hey, do you, I know you're, you recognize them, you recognize where they are, you ask for, you ask, you know, uh, do you have some time to do such and such? I have a couple of specific questions. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll say yes or no. And, um, and, but the, the, the gems that they'll say, or if you're at, you know, dinner with them and the things they'll say will be like, boom, and that mm -hmm. just gets you, that lifts you for the next year. So. Yeah. Yeah. We love, uh, PASIC for several reasons. Well, first to step back, like, I think people are usually more than willing to share information. Like anyone I've ever liked to talk to, um, as is, uh, yeah, at PASIC or outside has like been super cool. And, um, but we always come back charged from PASIC, um, yeah. just, um, for being able to talk to people and see the, you know, see students that are like discovering percussion and discovering instruments and kind of building an instrument inventory or seeing the educators and performers that we work with or seeing other people in the industry, like um, some of our retail partners or other, you know, manufacturers and friends we have. And then it, we always come back like, yeah, totally charged and juiced up. Cause it's like, it's like, okay, like we're doing good things, you know, and cause you yeah. can get, you can get kind of stuck in your, in your bubble and your day to day kind of uh, grind and like things you're doing, you know, you don't always see what the results are. You don't always hear response and stuff like that. So um, I don't know. That's why I love going to PASIC is to kind of see people and catch up and then be like, okay, like things are cool. Like we're yeah, doing a good job. Cool. Or they're not. You know, um, you know, if I go to a Tiffany masterclass with some amazing uh, yeah. cop, right? Yeah. And they're, um, and they're, they're like, and I've, you know, I've gone to score. Hey, I, you know, I don't add a note in, that's on the thing unless I really feel good about it and the conductor feels good about it. Yeah. And, you know, you go to something and, and the timpanist says, no, I never add this note. I know people do. I never add it. And this is why. And you say, oh. <laughs> you know? I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then you other stuff. There's like um one one person said, you know, see this really, really fast thing? I never put these this note in so that I can play the whole thing cleanly. I was yeah. like, oh, thank you. <laughs> like you're yeah, I think it's a good point. Like people like you mentioned earlier, like people are human, you know, people are 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 approachable or like you're like, okay, they did that, like not that you need permission to do it yourself, but at least it like gives you a little bit more um, uh, like confidence, I guess. Like, yes. So, um, yeah. so speaking of timpani, again, like you made another sort of comment early in our conversation about um, maybe a direction that you went to play timpani is because you didn't see a lot of timpanists that, that looked like you that were female. Um, is there are there any other words that you would might want to share about that like some of that decision making or maybe you know what you saw then versus you know what you see now 
or some you know. yeah um i i still don't see enough women in the percussion section i mean there was one there was i think there were a couple of Flint concerts, and it was, you know, it was Alice and, Alice and Shaw, and, sure. and, and anyway, um, and we took a picture because it's all women in the section. Yeah. And, you know, my hope is that um, uh, we were having a, a dinner a conversation with our kids once at dinner, and we were talking about how um, someone was a judge, had been promoted to judge, and, well, that's so cool. She's a woman. And then I found myself getting mad. And I was like, you know what? We will really have made progress when we don't notice it's a woman or it's a person of color or it's a green Martian. Mm-hmm. When it's when we are just looking at how cool this person is and their capability is mind-boggling. I need to learn from this person. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, and then yeah. In the meantime, we've got to do what we can to to help promote and to help um, to 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 pursue that yeah but i yeah i hear what you're saying for sure i mean i was talking to um uh, a physician at something uh literally a week ago and he was like so you play percussion yeah you play you really play those those big ones i said yes i am paid to make a whole lot of noise <laughs> he was like, wow and then he says okay but tell me something why would a woman ever want to play trombone and I was like, because it floats her boat. I yeah, think. yeah, they enjoy it. Yeah. So there's still a lot of, you know, I'm just yeah, I'm, yeah. There's there's stigma wrapped up in in instrumentation and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and, sorry. No, I mean, I, the only reason I'm going to mention this because you said trombone. Uh, I mean, when I was a kid, they wanted me to play trombone and it was because I had long arms. It wasn't, and I think I've mentioned that on the podcast too, but it's all, it's still an inside joke with my family. Like if they see a trombone, like my girls are like, Hey dad, that could be you. Cause you have long arms. <laughs> like, Oh, thanks girls. Love you. So, <laughs> yes. um, that's pretty much everything I had on my list. I know there, I'm sure there's more we could talk about, but I think, um, Oh, you, we uncovered some good nuggets there. Some some wisdom from Maria, um, it, which no, I th- I just think it's it's cool. Like, I mean, I guess we didn't really talk too much about like you and I. Like when I met you, and like you're just like one of the coolest people I know. And I tell I say that to a lot of people, so take it with a grain of salt. But seriously though, <laughs> you and 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 actually Steve Hemphill, who's not too far from you, right? Are you guys? Yeah. You, yeah, he and maybe it's like an Arizona, like a Flagstaff thing or a Northern Arizona thing. Like he's also like one of the coolest guys, uh, people I've ever met. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Um, so I appreciate your time and I appreciate the conversation. And I just, I just have to say that if you have a T-shirt that says "Oxymoron: colon, Wisdom from Maria," <laughs> oh, holy fuck. Okay, yeah, that that will will work. On it. We'll have, release it at Pacing maybe. <laughs> so um all right well yeah thanks for the chat and we'll talk again soon i look forward to the next 20 years (laughs) oh that was that was depressing thanks for that (laughs) no i do look forward to the next 20 years you're right yeah thank you so much um i i uh have been absolutely awed by the videos that have come out in fact they've kind of like "Mm, i don't know if i have anything playing wise that's that reaches that level but thanks for asking about something that i do know (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's a pleasure and um yeah i mean we we 
well, I mean, Nathan and I were actually were just talking about like some video stuff. Like, basically, when I hang up from you, we're gonna do some more like stuff in in the shop here because we do our own like video production and stuff, sound samples and demos and things like that. So yeah, but um, yeah, if you and and Morris and then member three of your ensemble uh, are able to put anything together in the future, I'd love to help promote it and support it and do whatever. So. Cool. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Say hi to Eric for me. Will do. All right. Bye, y'all. This has been a BSP production recorded and produced out of the Black Swamp Percussion Facilities in Zeeland, Michigan. Audio production assistance by Nathan Coles. Intro and outro music by Adam Hopper. Music sprinkled throughout the episode featured a Marimba Concerto performed by Maria, as well as some other free stock tracks I found online. Hope that doesn't offend anyone. Take care.